and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Black Lion Third Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in the listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you require any further assistance during the conference, please press star 0, and an operator will be happy to assist you. I would now like to hand the conference over to Alexander Geller. Vice President of Investor Relations. Thank you, and please go ahead, ma'am. Good afternoon, and thank you for your participation today. With me on the call is Therese Tucker, Founder and Chief Executive Officer of Blackline, Mark Huffman, President and Chief Operating Officer, and Mark Parton, Chief Financial Officer. Before we get started, I would like to note that certain statements made during the conference call that are not historical facts including those regarding our future plans, objectives, and expected performance. In particular, our guidance for Q4 and the full year are forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements represent our outlook only as of the date of this call. While we believe any forward-looking statements we may make are reasonable, actual results could differ materially because the statements are based on our current expectations as of today and are subject to risks and uncertainties, including those stated in our periodic reports filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, in particular, our Form 10-K and Form 10-Q. We do not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter our forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information also, unless otherwise stated, all financial measures disclosed on this call will be non-GAAP. A discussion of why we use non-GAAP financial measures and information regarding reconciliations of our GAAP versus non-GAAP results is currently available in our press release which may be found on our Investor Relations website at investors.blackline.com or on our Form 8K filed with the SEC today. Now I will turn the call over to Therese to begin. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I am pleased to report that the demand environment has steadily improved and we have seen increasing activity and momentum throughout the third quarter, driving another quarter of solid results. The momentum we have experienced is validation that finance transformation is mission critical and climbing to the top of the CFO's priority list. We believe Blackline is well positioned to capitalize on this demand environment. As the leader in this space, we have and will continue to invest in our market to support our growth initiatives and best serve our customers. At the start of the pandemic, we made a, a strategic decision to stay the course with investments in key areas such as organizational leadership, R&D, customer success, and our partner ecosystem. We believe our strong results validate these investments. Earlier this month, we announced the acquisition of Ramelia, a leading provider of accounts receivable automation solutions. We got to know the Ramelia team over the last year, and I am thrilled to welcome them into the Blackline family. 
Their culture and values are very much aligned with ours, and we look forward to a successful combination of our two companies. The acquisition expands our core customer capabilities to automate another big problem for the modern-day controller. This $10 billion untapped market opportunity is top of mind for most companies we talk with. We are very excited about this next step, which Mark will speak to in more detail shortly. Before I turn it over to Mark, I wanted to provide an update on the future for finance and accounting. Nearly nine months into the pandemic, companies around the world are rethinking their physical footprint as employees continue to embrace the benefits of working from home. We believe the future of work for finance and accounting has been irrevocably altered. Some of our customers are already shifting to a permanent remote close because they have found greater efficiencies using the Blackline platform, and we expect more customers will make flexible work arrangements permanent as well. We are very pleased that Blackline customers have been successful in this environment. However, we serve less than 2% of our addressable market. There is a very large untapped opportunity for the majority of companies struggling with manual and unsustainable accounting processes. We believe these market dynamics will continue to favor our value proposition, and we are ready to meet the needs of customers accelerating their digital transformation spend. And last but not least, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how proud I am of our team's ability to support and lead our customers while also continuing to execute during this pandemic. Just last month, Blackline was awarded a 2020 Tech Cares Award from Trust Radius for going above and beyond with our quick response to the COVID-19 pandemic to help companies close their books in the face of unprecedented challenges. I am so pleased with what we have been able to accomplish as a company through these difficult times. And now I'll turn it over to Mr. Huffman to discuss our recent business performance and acquisition of Amelia in more detail. Thank you, Therese, and good afternoon, everyone. As Therese mentioned, we've seen continued improvement in the demand environment, with each month stronger than the one before as a result, Q3 performance came in ahead of our expectations with solid execution across the business. These results highlight the progress we're making on our multi-year growth initiatives. For instance, the large deal momentum we experienced in Q2 continued in Q3, and we now have more than 20 customers with $1 million or more in annual recurring revenue. The conversations we were having with these customers are very positive. Companies who have invested in digital transformation are moving forward with their existing projects, and we feel good about the pipeline for future quarters. We had another quarter of strong account growth. Our global customer teams frequently engage with and lead our customers, and in turn, Q3 had a number of large deal expansions and continued adoption of our strategic products. The simplicity of our modern accounting playbook, or MAP offering, and its immediate ROI continues to resonate with mid-market CFOs. In Q3, MAP drove a strong quarter for the mid-market with a record volume of new logos, including some international wins. 
Solex also delivered another strong quarter with twice as many new logos as the prior year. Solex deals were global and included wins in APJ as well as EMEA. Given SAP's seasonal Q4 and a growing Solex pipeline, we believe we have a positive setup going into the end of the year. I'm very pleased with the success of our implementation teams who have driven increasing services revenue throughout the year. These teams haven't skipped a beat as they continue to engage with customers around the world for remote implementations, resulting in our strongest services quarter yet. And we further enhanced our competitive positioning in the quarter with strong win rates and a number of competitive takeaways. These positive indicators give us confidence that financial back-end automation will remain a priority and potentially accelerate when the economy begins to recover. Now I want to share just one example of a Blackline customer who has realized significant return on investment through Blackline and finance transformation. There are many reasons CFOs and controllers will buy Blackline. However, in today's economic climate, ROI becomes a critical part of the buying decision. Red Wing Shoe Company is a great example of an established manufacturing and retail company who has been working with Blackline since 2017 to streamline and drive efficiencies in their accounting operations. Based on a recent assessment by Nucleus Research, which analyzed Red Wing's total investment in Blackline over that three-year period, they determined the annual ROI was 379%, with a payback period of 4.8 months and a savings value of more than $1.2 million per year. In addition to the rapid payback period, Red Wing realized positive cash flows in all three years as well as better organizational visibility and improved standardization and controls over their accounting workflows. Beyond the favorable cost-benefit analysis, Red Wing realized increased productivity from reduced workloads and time savings from streamlined tasks. Our account reconciliations product reduced the volume of reconciliations by over 7,000 reconciliations per month saving accountants at the corporate office over 3,500 work hours every month and shortening their retail store cash reconciliation process from an average of 40 days to four. The journal entry product reduced the cycle time of each journal entry by over 33% and saved their staff, managers, and directors a total of 1,500 hours per year. Red Wing is only partway through their finance transformation journey with Blackline, but their impressive returns won them the 2020 Nucleus Research ROI Award for their Blackline deployment. We would like to congratulate the Red Wing team on this honor, and if you haven't already, I highly recommend you review the Nucleus Research case study in the press release section of our Investor Relations website to hear more about the story. Our ability to serve our customers and commitment to customer success are founding principles of Blackline, and the values that I plan to maintain and prioritize as incoming CEO. Over the past several years, it has also been our strategy to find more places where we can serve the controllership. Our acquisition of Remelia is a strategic investment that grows our TAN and strengthens our product capabilities. In today's macro climate, managing cash on a corporate balance sheet has become an urgent priority. It's estimated that more than $1 trillion is tied up in balance sheets around the world. This money cannot be used by those businesses to fund their growth or pay their vendors. 
It's just sitting in unallocated cash accounts on worldwide corporate balance sheets. That's where Remelia comes in. Remelia customers have told us that this software has helped them unlock their working capital. Remelia software automates the collection and allocation of customer cash in real time, reducing days sales outstanding and releasing working capital. This ability to unlock working capital and manage liquidity helps CFOs and controllers reduce risk and make better decisions for their business. With the acquisition of Remelia, Blackline has extended its platform into adjacent market, which has become increasingly relevant. In addition, Blackline has strengthened its position with the Office of the Controller by driving end-to-end automation of the cash lifecycle and ensuring greater data integrity. In the months since we announced the acquisition, the reaction from customers has been overwhelmingly positive, which further validates our view that the accounts receivable market is a compelling space to enter. One of the things that excites us most about Remelia is their shared passion for finance and accounting transformation through intelligent automation. Remelia's AI-powered accounts receivable automation has created great value for its more than 100 customers. Similar to the financial closed market, the accounts receivable market is largely unpenetrated with the majority of companies using legacy manual processes to manage their order-to-cash process. According to independent third-party analysis, it's estimated that the total addressable market for accounts receivable software is approximately $10 billion, and it's early, and the competitive space is highly fragmented. We are very excited to enter this new and increasingly relevant market that increases Blackline's combined TAM to more than $28 billion. We're happy to welcome the over 100 Remilia employees headquartered in the U.K., with employees around the world to join our team and to learn from their great depth of knowledge and expertise. We look forward to sharing their leading practices with our existing customer base and building on the momentum that they have established to date. We will be highlighting Remelia at Beyond the Black, our largest customer event of the year, which already has more than 8,500 people registered. In addition to the acquisition, we've continued to invest in our own customer success through increased R&D and product innovation. We've made significant investments in our product and technology teams and leadership with nearly 100 new tech hires in the last 12 months. We've also made great strides towards modernization of our platform, and we'll be in a position to share more at Beyond the Black in November. Moving forward, we believe the improved demand environment Q3 will continue into Q4. We're pleased with the recent activity and the momentum that we've seen and what it means for Blackline's path ahead. And now, with the acquisition of Remelia, we expand our CAM and add another growth lever. We are in the early innings of a significant market opportunity and believe this market will accrue to the leader over the long term. As we maintain our focus on customer success, and continue to invest in our long-term initiatives, we firmly believe that Blackline will be a beneficiary of accelerated digital transformation. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Mark Parton. Thank you, Mark, and, and Therese, and good afternoon, everyone. We are pleased to report better-than-expected Q3 results in revenue, profitability, and cash flow. Total revenue grew 21% in the quarter, driven by 
strong sales execution and record services revenue. As you heard from Therese Lamar, this performance was done by another consecutive quarter of improvement in the demand environment, which benefited sales, productivity, and closed rates in the quarter. Digging into revenue a bit deeper, our international business grew to 25% of total revenue, up from 22% in the prior year. Revenue from our SAP partnership total 23% of total revenue in line with the prior year. Strategic products represented 17% of sales for the quarter, in line with our anticipated range of 15 to 20%. Approximately 60% of large deals in the quarter involved a partner. And as we predicted, despite a strong renewal of 97%, our dollar-based net revenue retention rate came down slightly from 108 to 107 due to current demand and risk impacting our expansion efforts. The bottom line continued to benefit from cost savings related to the mandatory work-from-home regulations, including lower T&E, rent, facility-related costs, and virtual marketing. Combined with higher-than-expected revenue, we generated net income attributable to Blackline of $15.1 million. We continue to invest in the business, and you can see R&D as a percent of sales increased by 200 basis points in the quarter where we are accelerating our investments. I'm very pleased with our team's ability to manage costs effectively while also advancing our long-term initiatives in the face of this pandemic. We generated a record $22 million in operating cash flow and $18 million in free cash flow for the quarter due to a focused effort from our accounting team to solve for aging and AR. Like many companies, we have prioritized cash management in this environment. We finished the quarter with approximately $526 million in cash, equivalents, and marketable securities, which excludes the $120 million of cash paid to acquire Remelia, which was transferred on the last day of Q3 to affect the transaction in Q4. While we continue to work with customers on COVID-related relief programs as necessary, they were not material to our Q3 results. We feel we are generally out of the woods related to these programs and are cautiously optimistic that we will start to see the benefits from these relief efforts as the economy begins to recover. As mentioned earlier, we completed the acquisition of Remelia for a purchase price of $150 million of which $120 million was payable at the close, and the remaining $30 million will be paid over a two-year period and subject to certain earn-out provisions. The acquisition was funded by existing cash hand and did not result in any material impact to our Q3 financial results. For the fourth quarter, we expect the revenue from Remelia to be immaterial. We also expect the transaction to be diluted from that income and have a short-term headwind to gross margin and free cash flow due to investments in integration and spend to support future growth 
and you can see that dilutive impact in our Q4 net income guidance. Turning now to guidance for the fourth quarter of 2020, which includes the impact of the Remelia acquisition, total gap revenue is expected to be in the range of 91 to $92 million. On the bottom line, we expect to report net income attributable to Blackline in the range of 4 to $5 million, or six to eight cents on a per share basis. Our share count will be approximately 61.6 million diluted weighted average shares. For the full year 2020, total gap revenue is expected to be in the range of 347.4 to 348.4 million dollars. On the bottom line, we expect to report net income attributable to Blackline in the range of 37 to 38 million dollars or 61 to 63 cents on a per share basis. Our share count will be approximately 60.7 million diluted weighted average shares. In summary, we are very pleased to see demand returning in the market. The strong execution from all members of the company and a better than expected Q3 performance. As a CFO, I think the Remelia acquisition will be a great opportunity for our sales team to expand our strategic footprint inside our large and expanding customer base. I know we are all excited to work with Kevin Kimber and his incredible team to drive great results as we move into 2021. We remain focused on capitalizing on the opportunities for finance transformation and driving further momentum in our business. And now we will take your questions. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press star on the number one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. Our first question comes from Oliver with Baird. Your line is open. Great. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you very much for taking my question. I had one for Mark Hoffman and then uh, um, a quick follow-up for you, Teresa, if that's okay. Mark, um, you know, your comments were, were quite sanguine on the, on the outlook for Q4, uh, and I think you mentioned Soldex as well. So I was just wondering, given the recent, you know, negative pre-announcement from SAP, I, I know you guys have, to a certain extent, you know, somewhat limited visibility in that channel, but you did sound quite optimistic relative to the seasonality in Q4. So I was wondering if you could uh, maybe reconcile those and talk a little bit about yeah, so thanks, Rob. Um, I think this somewhat proves that SAP performance is, is, is not a, a great proxy for Blackline's performance. It's an incredibly important partnership to us. We've got some great joint customers and success together. As evidenced by our performance and the remarks we've made about uh, strong quarter, twice as many new logos as the prior year, you can see it's working. It's building, um, but SAP as a, as a part of our entire customer base from which ERP system they use is only a portion of our business. And so, you know, we have a fairly diverse uh, portfolio of companies with different ERP systems. We serve all of them, and we serve all of them really, really well. Great. That's, that's helpful. Thanks, Mark. And then, Therese, one for you. I know um – you know, you, uh, you're getting uh, towards the end here, and uh, you made a comment in your prepared marks about, um, you know, how 
uh, accounting and uh, um, suite transformation is rising to a CFO priority. And I know, you know, going back to the IPO and prior, that that was always kind of a holy grail. And I know you guys have been getting there, but that comment struck me, and I was wondering if, you know, that must be gratifying to you. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what makes you say that, what you're what you're seeing, uh, where this is now rising to a kind of CFO level priority. Thank you. Absolutely. And Rob, you know, um, I'm actually hopeful that I'm not coming to the end. Let's just, uh, you know, I'm uh, transitioning to a different role, which I'm super excited about, but still very um, supportive of Black and supportive of Mr. Huffman here. So I'm not, I'm not at the end. Don't, don't write me off yet. But um, regarding the uh, CFO, uh, I think that this has been a trend. You're right. It is very gratifying. We've really been witnessing over the last year or so, um, even with the pandemic, that companies are really embracing, CFOs are really embracing the concept of digital transformation, and they actually really believe in the benefits that they are going to realize. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that we spoke about the ROI uh, award that our customer Red Wing got. And so, you know, we are seeing just this focus on digital transformation. It is at the level of the CFO, both because it has incredible impact on their operations and, secondly, because it's typically a high-dollar spend. So both of those things, the, the potential impact for how to modernize and actually do things a lot better, plus the fact that they're going to invest in it, is really getting their attention. Great. Thanks very much, you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Koji Aikido with Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Hi, guys. This is Chad Shaney on for Koji. Thanks for taking the questions. I actually have a question here on the competitive environment and what you guys are seeing out there in terms of competitive bids for new deals. Um, you did mention strong win rates in the quarter. I'm just wondering if that activity in terms of competition has picked up at all over the last six to nine months. And on that topic as well, are there any new players in the space that seem to be popping up as you guys are competing for new deals? Thanks. Well, so thank you, Chad. Um, what's picking up is, I would say, the demand environment. And so just like our performance and the visibility that we have, every month since we entered pandemic time, we've got a little smarter, a little more efficient, and um, our business has become even more performant. And so that sort of tide of things also probably applies to the demand environment, meaning that um, everybody's seeing a little more activity and maybe that tide is rising underneath a lot of boats. Um, in terms of new competitors, not really a uh, difference in the competitive uh, makeup. The biggest competitive uh, scenario that continues to exist for us is inertia. People stuck in legacy manual unsustainable accounting processes and the reticence to invest in finance, uh, digital finance transformation. Um, I can tell you that we feel like we are seeing improved win rates uh, and increased deal velocity, specifically around areas where we've got our modern accounting playbook at, at play. It's really well received, specifically mid-market CFOs, uh, very tight time to value, quick ROI. Um, so we feel like we're still in a, a battle against inertia and pretty happy with our competitive positioning right now. 
Super helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Matt Van Vliet with ETIG. Your line is open. Great. Thanks for taking my question and uh, nice job in the quarter. Um, you know, I guess as, as you look at, you know, you've added to the, the portfolio here with, with the Vermilia acquisition and, and you're really covering a lot more of, of the office of, of finance and accounting here. Um, has it changed kind of the overall sales process? Maybe who your initial contact is? Are you making your way up, uh, sort of up the org chart a little bit more? Um, maybe just help us think about kind of as you broaden your, your capabilities here, uh, how much that's uh, impacting the sales pipeline. Hey, Matt, I'm sorry to do this to you. Uh, could you rephrase the question uh, for us or summarize? We just had a quick blip in our phone. Yep, no worries. Um, yeah, I guess just as the product portfolio has expanded, um, given both the acquisition and, and some internal development, um, are you moving up uh, sort of who your initial point of contact is? Um, you know, has the buyer changed and maybe what the whole sales process um, has evolved over the last you know, several months or year? Oh, got it. Thank you. So um, not substantially. We have been laser-focused on um, the controller. Specific to the, the category or the place that we pioneered and created and we're the leader in that automation of the closed process. The addition of Romelia gives us additional um, area where we have incredible value that we can bring to that same buyer persona, the, the controller. And I think what we're seeing play out here is a, a good realization of our strategy, a, a multi-year growth initiative we put in place two years ago where we really focused on account management, making sure we had the fully um, funded and developed set of offerings through account management and other expertise that we have in our service and customer teams so that we can help people identify where they can get good ROI and make um, sort of more strategic uses of our software that is growing the footprint and I think contributing to the fact that we have so many clients paying us such a large ticket now. And then just following up on, on sort of the, the overall deal momentum you're seeing through throughout the year here, uh, but I wonder if, if the conversation sort of early on in, in the COVID send everyone home uh, environment was let's not rock the boat, um, you know, let's, let's try to make what we, what we have here as, as, you know, as useful as possible. And now as the uh, prospect of getting into a year-end close and, and starting a new year is happening, um, you know, has there been an acceleration in, in sort of conversations with customers saying uh, we need something in place because this is going to be, you know, sustained longer and more difficult um, than we than we thought. We, you know, we're anticipating being back in our offices by now, and it's just not happening. So I'll, there's a lot of variability to the answer for that. Um, you know, some of it comes to experiences that our sales team and services have team have relayed, and then our own personal interactions with you know various uh, CFOs and controllers. It really depends on their environment, what industry they're in, the shape of their business, and so some people uh, who had finance transformation strategies underway, they took a breath and they've returned to funding those as they've sort of become more comfortable and understood that this is going to be a longer, more sustained impact, they should continue and fund those things. You've got other areas where people have had to substantially remediate these really manual processes that were, they were in a um, 
uh, quite a blind spot, if you will, earlier in the pandemic, and they needed to get base use cases put in, and we've seen some of that drive some of the adoption for us. So I, I would say it's sort of all over the map, depending on each individual business's um, impact to the pandemic and their environment. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Matt Stotler with William Blair. Your line is open. Hey, thank you for taking my questions. I guess uh, just first on the uh, on the Remilia acquisition. So you, you've obviously spoken, uh, especially Therese, with the, the the move that you're making. Spoken about expanding Black Lion's value in the opposite of the Comptroller um, makes a ton of sense. Um, but there are a lot of you know um, accounts receivable automation players in the market. So we'd love to understand the differentiation of the asset or what rationale led you to pick Remilia, and then what was the reason for going this direction uh, in the context of that larger goal? Well, so obviously it's pretty uh, compelling for us to be able to expand our, our TAM by 10, 10 billion. Um, and you can see that this is a growth strategy for us. We think that this is so adjacent to the buyer, and there's a lot of potential with the way that they um, use their artificial intelligence to provide intelligence matching around that that um, we think will apply to our entire tech stack eventually. We think there's a lot of synergies in the data models themselves, but um, realistically, if we just get back to the purity of our mission, serving that controller, this is such such a good space to be. There's an enduring nature of cash. There is so much of it that sits unallocated and can't really be realized and operationalized that we can help with. We've got, um, I just love the brands and the size and shape of the customers that we have. And we've got this great distribution organization, which if you look at one of the rationales for why this particular company in the asset, they've got good tech. In Europe, they've got great brand and customers. They don't have much in terms of distribution in North America, and we happen to have a great distribution organization here. So those are some of the real important reasons why we were with area. Yeah, a couple of other things, too, is that, you know, we met them a year ago, and it was really important that they serve the enterprise market, their product scale, to, the, to very large companies. And that culturally, we think it's a good fit, it's a good complementary uh, culture and value-based company, and we spoke about that earlier, but you can't, um, as a, they're a strong competitor in this market, and in large measure, it's not just the tech, it's the people, too. So you can see these guys already feel strongly about it. I don't think I have anything to add to that, Matt. All right. No, that's very helpful. I appreciate the color. Uh, and then as a uh, follow-up, um, just on the strategic products front, so we'll have to get just an update um, in terms of what you're seeing in the pipeline there. You know, last quarter you talked about some some strong demand, um, you know, for transaction matching and ICH specifically, uh, but, you know, we saw kind of a step down in terms of the overall revenue contribution. Understand things can be lumpy, so we'd love to just, you know, kind of better understand the, the trends in that market or in those products, the pipeline, mm -hmm. and, and what drove that contribution in the quarter. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, look, the, the pipeline for strategic products has been robust over the last six, nine months. And what, what um, had been driving that pre-COVID was, was large digital transformation projects. And um, we, we saw those freeze earlier in the year. And, and as we continue to see momentum in larger deals, we see that pick up. Year to date, 
our strategic product contribution to our sales has been about 20%. And record in Q2 and uh, within our range in Q3. So we will see that attached to these large deals, and we're seeing that momentum. Uh, and it's across all three products. It includes ICH, smart clothes, and transaction matching. And, and you know, moving forward, we'll have Remilia as part of our strategic portfolio as well. So we're excited about that part of the business. Great. Thanks again. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Peterson with Brian and James. Do you want to open? Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for taking the questions. So uh, maybe one for, for Mark Martin. Uh, just on the margins, uh, they've been much better than expected over the course of the year. Just curious, is there anything in terms of efficiencies that, that you guys have gained this year? And I'm looking to hone in on the, on the go-to-market. I've seen some strength in the mid-market. Uh, but, but just curious, what's, what's driving the margin expansion? Yeah, uh, that's right. Thanks, Brian. Um, you, you know, uh, interestingly, Q3 was the strongest gross margin quarter we've ever had in both subscriptions and services. And we are undergoing a public cloud uh, transition with Google, uh, with GCP, and, and that will begin in earnest, you know, as we move forward and going into next year. And so we've been talking about that potential drag on the gross margins. So I should throw that out there. But um, what we see in the last two quarters is that we've really benefited from a lot of the uh, work from home, we are not spending as much on T&E uh, in rent, and so that's dropping directly to the bottom line. We have um, some, I would call it, just really well-managed efficiency in the sales and marketing where we have uh, maintained, um, you know, the, the same level that we came into this pandemic with, uh, which has given us some margin opportunity there. We have continued to actually increase our R&D investment, which has been um, an increase in R&D as a percentage of revenue. And then, of course, in GNA, we're seeing some real sort of operating leverage as we scale and get bigger. So the margin is really benefiting uh, over the last couple quarters from work from home. And as long as that lasts, we believe we're going to uh, take some, some value from that to the bottom line. Got it. Thanks, Mark. And maybe maybe I'll follow up. Uh, you know, just on the on the idea of, of build versus buy. Obviously, Remilia is getting added to the fold. I'm curious, how are you thinking about adding to the product portfolio organically or through M&A? Thanks, guys. Well, so we're looking. You know, we're looking at the categories and places that we want to play. And again, those back to our purity of mission. Um, we think the opportunity for us, given our experience, is in digital finance transformation, it's the processes that come and go, you know, in an ordinary time when you're in the office, all of those things are people walking in and out of the controller's office. And so we're going to maintain a laser-like focus on that. Uh, we're going to serve our customers across the, you know, close automation. Um, we're going to serve our close customers now across cash application and uh, accounts receivable automation. And where we find great opportunities to continue to automate other processes that are really nearby there, and you know those people are walking in and out of the door of the controller, be it build it or buy it, we're going to play there. Great, thanks, Mark. 
Okay, our next question comes from the line of Josh Beck with KeyBank Capital. Your line is open. Thank you all uh, for, for taking the question. I wanted to also ask about the, the acquisition. I don't know if there's any other color you can provide on revenue model works between subscription and transactional or maybe how to compare their ARR versus yours or ACV. Just, just I'm not sure if there's anything you can share with the, the mechanics of, of the model. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, give you a shot at it. It's, um, you know, Remilia is about a, a, a $10 million business when we, um, when we bought it. And the, the business model is very similar to ours in terms of very high renewal rates, particularly in the enterprise segment, which dominates most of their customer base, uh, high 90s. They have a greater than 100%, something uh, close to ours in terms of retention rate. So it's a super sticky product. They, they land and then expand. Um, the vast majority is subscription revenue. They have a small amount of services, something similar to our um, com- uh, uh, revenue mix. Um, and so, look, it's, a, it's a, a growing business, which is one of the things that really excited us, and we think with our distribution it can uh, continue to grow. It will be, as I mentioned, from a business model, it will be dilutive. Um, to, uh, to our business model in the fourth quarter and, and moving forward for a short time. And that's in large measure because we're investing in, um, in their products and in go-to-market. Very helpful. And I, I think you had mentioned um, something like 100 customers. It certainly sounds like they have a little bit of a enterprise and, and European flair to them. Um, do you find most of those customers came from – Perhaps they were using a module that was hanging off of a ERP and it just really didn't meet their standards, or do you find that maybe they had tried other kind of modern um, solutions around, you know, the idea of, of invoice automation? Just any context you can share on, on where those those customers have come from for them. Uh, not surprisingly, um, a lot of these companies – um, are still applying cash uh, very manually. This is another area that you just you, you, it's there's a treasure trove, I guess you would say, of these kinds of processes that exist with spreadsheets, labor, um, who are stuck in you know just a different time frame. That we feel like we can continue to help companies, and this is just another example of them. Big teams of people taking uh, data files and trying to find it's like a uh, looking for a needle in the haystack, trying to apply a payment that has no other identification to it to some other place that you can apply it and then make use of that cash. They do a really good job of using artificial intelligence to learn about how to match those things and make those agents even more and more effective. And honestly, a lot of businesses still do this very, very manually. Yeah, and, and to the ERP, you know, they have a, they have a good set of um, – ERPs, including SAP. They sold in um, something similar to our uh, customer installed base with SAP as a percentage. We also have some overlap. We were able to do some uh, research on our own, and their customers really love their product, uh, and there's a little bit of complementary um, overlap. So they have an installed base 
that we think will be very complementary to our, our um, ability to work with our customers. Okay, that, that makes a ton of sense. If, if I could just maybe sneak in one more. With, with some of the commentary on the relief programs, it certainly sounds like there's really a, a lot of health in, in the customer base. And just when I think about the, the net revenue dollar retention, I mean, does that mean that we're maybe approaching a trough here, just any context, or maybe you can talk about how it perhaps exited the quarter, just any color you can share there? Yeah. Well, look, the, the customer relief program, we were really geared up to offer a lot more than ultimately was needed or requested. And so there was a decreasing impact on our financial results in Q3, and we think it will be even lower in Q4 based on where we uh, see and stand today. Uh, the dollar-based net retention rate is a couple things. Not only is it that uh, is it that relief which impacts it and weighs on it, but it's also just the overall demand environment. While it is improving, it has come down, and that's a 12-month rate. And so I don't. I I wouldn't say Q3 is a trough on that rate because it does re, uh, respond to um, a 12-month, you know, uh, formula. So as demand improves, that rate can, in the future, start to pick back up. But it's again, the stickiness of the customer was solid. The relief was less than we thought. It's really about getting the demand environment to continue improving. Really helpful. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Chris Merwin with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Okay, thanks so much for taking my question. Um, I wanted to ask about Romelia as well. Um, yeah, it sounds like the product today, it, it's already being sold to enterprise. I mean, are, are there any other investments you feel like you need to make, or, or is this sort of ready to go in terms of your ability to start selling this into your, your larger enterprise? Customers and and, and uh, uh, separately, how should we think about the the period of ramp up of getting the sales force to you know start start initiating dialogues on this and and maybe when we might start to see um, some impact in, in in net retention as as you make progress on uh, the new products. Thank you. Yeah, uh, great. Thanks, Chris. Look, our, our intention is to invest pretty heavily in this market and in this company for a, a number of reasons. It's a large market opportunity. They have a wonderful. Uh, time and moment given the prioritization of cash management and the, the ability to drive that demand, starting with our customer event in the fourth quarter and moving into next year as we uh, solidify our go-to-market. So our investment will be in their in maturing their product portfolio. They have other products that we'll continue to invest in and, and bring them along as well. Um, we think that the, what they have today scales to the largest organization, so with respect to that, it'll, it'll uh, be sort of instantly ready to go into our market. Um, but we want to invest in the people and the space and the product over the course of the next year, so we intend to do that. Um, yeah, and I think the timing is really good for us. You know, we're coming to the end of our fiscal year. Um, and so what we're doing in Q4 for us is sort of trying to get our team just laser focused on executing against the opportunity in front of them. They have their existing sales team, uh, albeit smaller than ours, who has a robust pipeline. Those people are realizing the benefit of investing in those opportunities where we have them really focused on those things. We've got 
behind-the-scenes integration teams focused on uh, coming into January, really humming on a plan that we think we can execute and meet our financial goals on the products that are on the price list right now with them. We have some other areas. Mark uh, mentioned that we are investing in that business to bring some additional capabilities that can be even um, further realized in terms of our growth initiatives. And then lastly, we're really, really excited to be able to highlight this new capability to um, the entire universe around BlackLine at our Beyond the Black conference, um, which is being produced right now and uh, delivered in, in November here very, very closely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Mark Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Hey, good afternoon. This is Matt Koss on behalf of Mark Murphy. Uh, can you talk about your hiring trends for the rest of the year? Uh, over the last sort of five to six quarters, it's been pretty steady at about a 20-ish to 25% uh, year-over-year growth rate at headcount. Has that changed at all in Q3, and do you expect a change in that in Q4? Yeah. Hi, Matt. Uh, you know, you're right. It has been uh, pretty steady across the board, it, primarily um, around 20%, a little higher than that, over 30% in the tech and R&D organization for obvious reasons. Um, and then with the addition of 100 employees from Remelia, you know, that adds to the overall employee population. As we head into this uh, end of this year and going into next year, our view is that that will remain relatively steady. You know, we, we started the year with two record quarters of hiring, uh, slightly lower in Q3, just given that's typical and seasonal, and that's usually what happens in Q4 as well. And then it ramps back up starting again at the beginning of next year. That's our typical sort of rhythm with the normal company anyway. That's helpful. Thank you. Uh, and yeah. I read the press release uh, that mentioned uh, Domino's, um, getting the Domino's business in the Ireland and the U.K., and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're already a U.S.-based customer. Uh, as you think about sort of that win and uh, the number of global customers uh, that you have, is that something that you – well, it, it's been something that you, you've done uh, elsewhere, but do you look at your customer base and see sort of the large opportunity for those uh, global expansions like you're uh, kind of on your way with the Domino's? Yeah, so it's clearly one of our um, multi-year growth initiatives, uh, fully uh, invested in um, account management. So our sales leadership uh, had brought a playbook into play here that fully invests in account management, fully funds uh, the customer teams uh, around process um, experts and other things that allow these multinational companies to understand how to operate in these environments at scale, distributed across the world, and now increasingly in a world where you don't get to come and see each other in the office. And so you'll continue to see, I think, these large distributed organizations continue to roll out and succeed with Blackline. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Our next question comes from the line of Terry Tillman with Truist Securities. Your line is open. Hi, guys. This is actually Nick on for Terry. Thanks for taking our question. Um, so kind of related to large deal momentum, you guys have talked about large deal momentum continuing in 3Q and now having more than 20 customers with 1 million plus in ARR. 
I guess our question would be, you know, are you seeing a common identifiable pattern of adoption and expansion with these larger customers that you can continue to repeat moving forward? Or does it really vary on a case-by-case basis? And I guess our majority of these customers initially source through partners just trying to understand the you know, adoption and expansion pace with these customers. Thank you. Well, the attribution uh, I'll leave to Mark uh, Parton, uh, but in terms of the pattern, yeah, well, we, it's, we, you start to see these patterns identify partly because we've been fairly uh, purposeful in how we're doing that. So we, we're trying to land these customers on a set of uh, well-known best use cases. So think of those as our leading practices. If you were going to start and you were going to move from manual and unsustainable into modern accounting, you would do these three or four things really, really well. And we get those ironed out, and then we sort of build momentum with them. And then on a case-by-case basis, largely depending on their needs and priorities, as well as their industry, we start to introduce additional use cases that leverage the experience we have with nearly 3,200 companies who do something like that, and they can benefit from that experience that we have. And so um, that's sort of this accounting journey that we take them on. And over time, that um, they gain momentum with that. And I think that's what's really driving a lot of strategic product add-on, uh, high uh, amount of use cases around our matching engine. And um, like I said previously, I think you know that's, that's how so we have so many companies now um, paying quite a bit uh, for Black Line, getting great value for it. Yeah, and this has really been an exciting part of our business. And, and one of the big differences is that when we went public in 16, we had two customers over a million dollars, and those customers were five years old. It took them five years to get there. Today, customers can get to that point much faster. They can land there, and that's in large measure due to the capability of the account management team that Mark mentioned, the ecosystem and partners that we've now engaged that become part of that um, solution, uh, overall solution that's being delivered, and the SAP partnership, which can and does bring large strategic deals to Blackline. So um, large transactions for us, uh, the average has been um, in a, a, a little over 100,000 in the enterprise. So seeing companies that can and do scale to over a million dollar footprint is very exciting. Got it. That's really helpful. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And our last our last question will come from the line of Brent Braceland with Piper Slandler. The line is open. Hello, it's uh, Clark Jeffries on for Brent. Uh, first question on MAP. Good to hear that another you know record number of mid-market logos, uh, even after the implementation promotion ended. Is there a plan for success or a go-to-market choice that you're making that's specifically resonating with these mid-market CFOs? Uh, I think that the... the well, I'm going to say the term, and um, it doesn't sound that appealing, but it's actually very appealing for CFOs and controllers. We're, we provide people a well-worn path towards this uh, digital finance transformation. Our expertise sort of bundled and packaged together with our software and delivered really efficiently. That's getting people live and um, very quickly and getting them ROI very quickly. And that seems to really, really resonate. Great. And I, I apologize for hitting the competitive landscape question again, but it, it does, has come up. You have a 
cloud-based ERP provider that released a major accounting upgrade today, and they've had some customers talking about a virtual close uh, last quarter. You know, is this really just an indication the market has grown overnight, or, or how should we be thinking about this? Uh, a cloud-based ERP provider, um, the ERP companies are primarily interested in selling ERP, and this they've they've continued to play on the margins of this space, but there's a significant difference in what we deliver in terms of value for clients across the entire closed process and other accounting processes that we're able to automate for people than being able to deliver um, and manage um, some of the controls and a checklist that you could apply to close your books on. There's a big, big, big gap between those two things, and uh, we're really focused on the latter. Um, and I think the market is um, uh, sort of more interested in the more comprehensive solution to that. Great. Thank you. Thank you, and I'll now turn the call back over to Therese for closing remarks. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and thank you for your continued support, your referrals. Uh, please keep them coming. It's helping us grow. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude the program. Thank you for participating, and have a great day.